Welcome to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op. My name is Clint, and I will be your host as we record live from our beautiful Springfield, Tennessee location inside our podcast studio. Robertson Cheatham is a member-owned farm supply cooperative. You can learn more about us on our website, yourfarmerscoop.com, in addition to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Welcome back to another grazing podcast episode for the co-op up here in Springfield. You know, some of the things that we will certainly toot our own horn about here at co-op is fertilizer. We're confident in our knowledge of fertilizer and fertilizer things. And um, so much so that we've got one of our uh, representatives from a company we use here today. Uh, we have Mr. Andy Omer from Verdesian here with us to talk about some different products that we offer along with our, our fertilizer. So, Andy, how are you doing this I'm morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, you came in here and, and Randy sat you down immediately. <laughs> you, you didn't even have time to gather yourself. Straight into the fire. <laughs> Straight into the fire. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate you. Uh, hey, we're just glad to be time. here. Yeah, well, no problem. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. So, Andy, obviously you work for Verdesian and... I worked here at Co-op full-time years ago. Now I just do this, but I remember, you know, I, right. I worked in the, the fertilizer part of it. So Verdesian, uh, what is Verdesian? What kind of company is it exactly? Okay, so Verdesian is, uh, in, in a nutshell, we are about nutrient use efficiency. So mm. we have products that uh, stabilize uh, nitrogen, for example. We have biologicals. Uh, we have products that... Uh, and we just really try to streamline anything the farmer may need and make sure that he's spending his money wisely. So anything we can do, we have about 200 products, for example, that kind of they kind of point towards that very thing. And that's about um, supplying the best we can, but also having the best stewardship while we're doing that. So that's what we're all about. So essentially offering products that are going to enhance the fertilizers or you know i guess any really any type of fertilizer that the farmer may use something that's right. going to make it just a little bit better right so you know if you think about if you think about a crop for example um compared to the human body i mean there's so many things that we do to try to feed ourselves and feed ourselves right and you know all the commercials and things we're seeing today about uh, uh extra vitamins we should be taking and things like that and so that's the thing, things we try to focus on the difference is you know in a human life we're living 80 maybe 100 years we hope mm -hmm. what you and i are trying to do at the co-op level and at the grower level and on that acre level is is put our best foot forward on that 100 days that that crop has to grow and so that we're all, we're constantly looking at things and tweaking things and coming up with new ideas and it's all about getting the best and the most we can out of that acre. You know, it's interesting comparing the 80 to 100 years with that very short growing season. It is, really. I mean, it's a life spell. If you think about it, you and I are born. There may be nutrients we're deficient in when we're born. I have a, a newborn grandchild at home, and and it, apparently she has some have to have some iron when she's little. Mm -hmm. And so there are things we look at in a crop when they're young, you know, try to develop that crop. But you're right. It's, it's, uh, you know, I have uh, 80 years or more to work on it. Right. And uh, at the co-op, we're trying to do that in 100, 120 days. Yes. Yeah. It's, that's an interesting, interesting contrast. So Andy, 
how did you get in this line of work? Did you grow up raised on a farm, or you just did you grow up having a passion for it? What what led you to to this level of work? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. So I grew up on a row crop farm. Uh, grandparents and my daddy farmed together, and we had uh, corn, soybeans, and wheat rotation. But we also uh, raised cattle, background in cattle, and so I've just had a. Uh, I guess you would say I've not ever known a different way of life and so yes it became a passion and i'm a little bit nerdy when it comes to soil tests and looking at things and trying to trying to figure out how to make things better and i really get sometimes too involved in it i guess but uh (laughs) it's interesting stuff man it it is to me i think you know the general public it seems like more so than than i can ever remember people are becoming more interested in it you know backyard gardening that's that right kind of thing. that's right it's, it's becoming a more popular deal and uh, obviously we've got to educate those people too because nutrient, right. if they're growing a tomato plant in their backyard you know they it's it would be uh useful knowledge for them to know about blossom end right that's you know, right calcium i'm a nerd too i'm yeah. not on the level you're more knowledgeable than i am but i yeah. find it interesting it is it is you know and they're there are uh, 16 essential nutrients, some say 17, but 16 essential nutrients that we have to have in line in those crops, and they have to be in that right balance. And there are things it's called, um, uh, some have more uh, stronger influence than others, some are at low rates, some are high rates, but nonetheless, that balance has to be there. And it's just like in UNR, here we go again, it's just like in the human life. All the things we take in have to be in a balance or mm-hmm. something's going to be out of kilter. Yep. Same way in a plant's life. And yep. so it's our job in the co-op system to try to make sure that we keep that balance as yes. best we can. Yes, absolutely. So what? So you grew up on a farm. What Was that in Tennessee or was that in another state? No, I have to admit, I'm from the show me state. So people say that I have to have things shown to me a lot. And that's probably true. <laughs> uh, I have... Yet to just been given the product, you know, I worked for about 20, 20 years in the co-op system as an agronomist in the Boot Hill, Missouri, and then over here for 10 years for a Tennessee Farmers Co-op. And, mm-hmm. and uh, people were always bombarding us with new things to try and look at. And I yet to go to the field with something that has not shown me something mm-hmm. and that's kind of why i take a little bit of pride in verdesian it's products that i worked with at the co-op system for years before before i came to work for verdesian so they're tried true tested been out there a long time and so it's exciting to work with them you know i've seen them work i've uh, seen them turn crops around so uh yeah it's it's interesting especially when you, we actually have that that tangible data from yields to be able to compare to which i'm sure there's no telling how much by now the years that have yeah. been available. Now I remember <clears throat> as, a, as a boy, my, my family, <clears throat> excuse me, farmed as well, specifically beef cattle, but we always fertilized pasture and hay. And, uh, you know, I remember when my dad would come up to co-op and get the buggy, you know, it would always have the white and the pink and the, the brown, mm-hmm. which, you know, the white urea, the, the ammonium for the dap and the, right. the pink and the potash. And uh, when I came to work for co-op, this was in 2013, that's when they had available the avail for your for your DAP right. or your diammonium phosphate. And uh, we had something back then. It was called Nutrisphere. It was orange for the urea that you – and that was all new to me. I'd never seen that before. Right. And all these uh, – like a micronutrient powder 
that you could blend in with that fertilizer to, to coat the outside of it right. uh, with, with micronutrients. So I, I was ignorant of all that. I didn't realize <laughs> we had those, those type of products to, to enhance our fertilizer, um, which in hope is going to give the, right. the plant the nutrition it needs. But, you know, it was, it was, I thought it was extremely interesting. But, um, you know, speaking about avail specifically, uh, why is the nutrient phosphorus why is that so important to plants to begin with why do we want to focus on making sure that's available to the plant that's a that is a uh, a big one but i'll cover some points uh, about phosphate first of all phosphate is very um uh, responsible for root growth and early growth it's responsible for um uh, stronger st- uh, stem and stalk strength in plants. Um, it's responsible for, um, for example, in a hay crop, it's responsible for, for coming to maturity. And so um, it, it, it allows for longer growth. So um, talking about the hay crop, you know, if, if you're short of phosphate, for example, um, it's it's going to be a little bit shorter, squattier crop. It's going to come to a head quicker, and you're going to get less foliage out of it. So phosphate just has so many things that it does, uh, but it's very responsible for energy transfer and things in the plant when it's young, and so just has a big a big spot. And and the issue with phosphate is it's not that we don't necessarily have it. It's just the plant grabbing it. Mm-hmm. So that's where a bell comes into play. So it, when, when we apply it, it can be bound within the soil where the plant can't it can't uptake it like it needs to, and then the veil comes in, which is a it's a coating that we coat the outside of it with. Which essentially, I watched this little video last night. Oh man, about yeah. a two minute video, it had <laughs> illustrations and everything. But it yeah. you know it showed the the phosphorus in the soil. It's I think it said it would sometimes it could be locked up by uh, and you. Maybe like a, the aluminum, perhaps, if that's in the soil, or some other different elements that can make it unavailable. But essentially, that avail it it protects it. It's a protective coating that allows it to be free and still taken by the plant. You did watch the video. I'm, I'm impressed. You, <laughs> you gained something. Did you produce that video? No, I didn't. I didn't. I probably produced some of the data for the video. Yeah. But uh, no, avail in a nutshell. Um, we plow phosphate to the soil. Um, it has a, it has, it has a charge in which things, you know, all, all soil or minerals that we put out have either positive or negative charge. And phosphate is one of those that, that has a charge and things like aluminum, like you mentioned, a lower pH, really grab a hold of it. Uh, magnesium and calcium at a higher pH, really grab a hold of it. But probably the biggest uh, one I see in the state of Tennessee uh, North Alabama, Southern Kentucky, uh, is iron. Mm. And while iron is very essential to our plant growth, it can also lock up phosphate in the soil. Mm-hmm. So what Avail does is Avail pr- puts a protective coating close to 200 times stronger than the soil's charge, if that makes sense. So uh, it's like when we were kids, you know, and we used to we used to watch those shows that used to have visible force fields, you know, around things where mm-hmm. things couldn't grab hold of them. That's the same thing. So when aluminum or iron would go to grab a hold of that phosphate, it's going to grab a hold of that avail instead. Mm. Uh, now, that doesn't stop 
any iron from making the plant. I may get too technical for your for you, but you know we're applying two or three hundred pounds of DAP to two million pounds of soil. So we're not affecting anything in the soil. We're not disrupting anything. All we're doing is protecting that pellet of DAP that you put out there. And so that's what Avail does in a nutshell. It just keeps it available. When you illustrated that, in my mind, I thought about a, a cat grabbing one of those little, remember those blue tail lizards you see on your front porch and you go yep. to grab it and grab its tail and it come off and the mm-hmm. lizard get away. Kind of like a, it's a, it sacrifices itself in a way. In a little bit, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. It, it's it's kind of like uh, phosphate is available year-round. It's not like it's 100% tied up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can imagine your head 12 months in the year, phosphate releases a little bit every month. And let's say that it releases 15% in the month of May and June. Okay, so... 30 to 60%, somewhere in that range in in a life of corn crop early. The problem is we need that 60% in that six weeks when corn's coming out of the ground, that growing point's coming out, and we're trying to develop that stalk strength, Mm. and we're trying to transfer the energy to the top. And so uh, that's the problem. You know, there are days you can look at the soil as a bank, for example, and you want to go to the bank and withdraw your money. But for some reason, the bank's closed that day. Could be a national holiday. Could be a blackout. Could be somebody forgot the combination of the vault. Regardless, you're not able to grab that money that day. Mm-hmm. You've got it there. You know it's there. Your soil test shows that it's there. Your state bank statement shows it's there. But the door may be locked that morning. Mm-hmm. And that's what a veil does is keeps that door open in a nutshell. Do you have any data just off the top of your head long term or kind of what the trend is um, for what increased yields could be by using a veil versus not using a veil do you have anything like that to, I know you ain't got any paperwork or anything in no, front it's, of you. I can tell you from experience um, and I have to throw out this word depends obviously mm-hmm. depends on your pH depends on weather uh, depends on compaction, soil compaction, because phosphate moves by diffusion and it can't move if the ground is hard as this tabletop. But in general, uh, six to eight bushels, what I've seen uh, when I was testing it for Tennessee Farmers Co-op mm. and the co-op system. And so that's pretty consistent. Is it a silver bullet? No. But it's all these little things that we add that's going to get us those great big yields. You know, when when BT corn came out and those and, and, and other things came out in the corn system, we saw those big, big yield jumps. From now on, it's going to be incremental. Mm. And Avail is that incremental six to eight bushel that we've seen pretty consistently. Uh, like I said, and there, there, there are some higher and some lower, but that's pretty in general. I think, I think our, I say our now, speaking of Verdesian rather than co-op system, our shows a 6.8 bushel in the last – 120 trials we've done across the U.S. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty good ROI. It's a really good ROI. Mm, oh, absolutely. So on 100, times, 100 pounds of DAP, 200 pounds of DAP, you're talking about 5 to 10 bucks an acre? Oh, <laughs> you know, you make, you make six bushel times seven. I mean, you spent 10, you get 40. That's a pretty sweet deal. It so. adds up, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Well, are there any factors that, that affect its performance? I know you said pH and, uh, you know, soil compaction. What about... 
soil type or excessive ground moisture in a, in a wet natured field or a, you know low organic matter does that seem to have a role in in how it performs okay so it, it's almost as if the tougher the conditions the better a veil shows out mm. uh with that exception of i've seen some really awesome soil test and then i look at them and iron's 300 parts per million or two or 300 pound per acre even sometimes um that can be a scary condition and that's when we show out obviously because iron won't grab a hold of what we're spreading out there but uh, soil moisture has a lot to do with um with uh availability of phosphate just in general and how things move and compaction stops it from moving all together. Organic matter, generally what we see in organic matter is the lower the CEC, that's generally the sandier the soil, and that's generally the more pH has to mess with it. And obviously the lower the pH, the higher the iron and aluminum levels are. So it's kind of like uh, it's, it's when several things come together. The, the low pH, low organic matter just kind of always ride together, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas the muckier soils are going to have more CECs and more organic matter. And so I've seen a veil, you know, where we did test trials all the way across the field and every one be a little bit different based on the soil type, based upon the drainage in that particular mm. part of the field or based on compaction. It's it's interesting how you said, you know, the, the, the tougher the field, though, the more it's going to, you know, really reveal itself. You know, that's, that's fascinating stuff because especially around here, you know, uh, we've got some wet natured fields you know certain bottom land you get out on and it it doesn't it seems like it's before july or august before it finally dries out where you can get on right. it, you know um so I, I didn't know if that had an, a direct effect on how it can it here's out. what you need to remember uh phosphate can only move by diffusion and basically that's like if you laid an hourglass sideways and you could make you could make it level mm -hmm. from one side to the other uh that's how phosphate moves and in cool, wet soils, it just doesn't happen that much. Mm. Uh, and compaction just doesn't happen that much. So the whole idea behind a veil is I can't fix compaction. I can't fix cool and wet. But what I can do is address the situation in which we put that dap in. So when we put it out there, we just have to protect it because we know it has all these adverse conditions, abiotic stresses going on that you and I have no control over whatsoever and so it's just a matter of an insurance policy riding on the back of what you put out there give it a shield and put it out there it and is. give it its best chance of it working. is i'll give you an example this year you know in west tennessee there were some counties that did not see rain for 90 days we had an avail plot that the average plot went 70 bushel on corn i mean it was but he wanted to see it mm -hmm. and it was three and a half bushel difference well that doesn't sound like a lot but three and a half on 70 just imagine over 200 bushel corn but even when it did not rain, we still saw a three and a half, four bushel difference on corn. And that's, that's it's a lot impressive. of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, the principle yeah. of it is impressive because, you know, that, that dry spell that we went through this past summer. Yeah. Uh, I would have, you know, logically thinking about it, I, I would have thought that it would have not made any difference whatsoever. Yeah. So a three bushel increase, that's still impressive to me to hear about. That's pretty impressive when there's no rain coming out. Oh, absolutely. We have to remember, too, um, just like the human bodies evolve. You know, I can remember when I was a kid, if you wore a size 12, that was a huge shoe. 
last Sunday morning I was teaching class and all the boys in the class that were wearing size 12 in like sixth grade. <laughs> you know, and the human body evolves. Yes. I'm not an evolution guy, but you, it evolves and changes. And crops do the same way. We have a different root system that picks up or has availability to pick up more nutrients than we had when you and I were little mm. boys. We have different stalk system. We have different kind of ear. We have a totally different plant structure that has evolved through the years in essence trying to grab more yield. But we've not always fed that to its full potential. I mean, when you open a bag of corn today, it has potential of making 600 bushel. Just a minute you pull that tab. What we do to it determines, you know, and how we handle that determines the yield and that's that's what we have to remember when we're working with it when when you're explaining it andy you know i it sounds so similar to me uh like with this this weight training program um that i know about where the human body it, it adapts and it changes and it um you know, it, it responds to what you're doing to it, especially at first, you know, when you said when the BT corn came out, you saw this massive jump in yields. And when, uh, you know, someone that's never done weight training before, at first it just, the potential, you just keep going up and up and up by incremental, incrementally adding, say, five pounds a week. Right. That's all you have to do. Right. And you see these huge jumps for such a long time. And then it tapers off, and then you have to tweak things, little right. bitty things here and there for small incremental uh, increases it doesn't just continue to go up at that rate and that's what it reminds me of you know the, these yeah. examples that you're giving it sounds like it's the same thing with plants you can i mean you can plateau for you know, yep. that's basically what you're saying and so it's it's up to us to find out what those deficiencies are and address them and sometimes they can be hidden hungers I mean, you might have something going on in your body today that I may not see it physically. And we walk out in the corn crop, we may not mm. see it until we see it, and then it's too late. Right. Or we've already missed some yield-robbing opportunities, and that's what we have to remember. I guarantee you we could both have blood work done on us right now, and we would be deficient in something. That's right. And probably excessive in something else. I'm quite positive, you know. And it's it's the same thing with plants. Um, so the micronutrient level, I, that kind of want that, that's a good lead into that. All right. The, the macros, you know, I think NP and K, right. those are the big ones, but the micros obviously, um, just like their name implies, they're, they're smaller, but they're quite valuable to crops and, and, and people as well. We have to have them, you know, when you talk about, uh, magnesium and I'm thinking about a mineral bag, you know iodine, selenium, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. They're they're quite important. You absolutely need to have those. What product do you offer for, you know, row crop farmers, tobacco, that kind of thing, um, that enhances micronutrient uptake? So the product that I recommend most of the time is a product called Microsync. And Microsync, the uh, – the secret behind it is not a secret. The, the trade technology behind it is that the micronutrients that the plant uses all in one granule. And so it's ground down finely into a powder and it's put together in with a wax hard coating on it. And so when that granule hits moisture, it, it disperses into the fact that it actually causes almost like a blanket on top of the ground. And so when that root system comes out there to grab a hold, uh, a nutrient, it's got zinc, sulfur, boron, copper, whatever whatever nutrient you put out there in that form 
right there at the plan. And so it's got everything it needs. For years, and we've all were guilty, we've used products like zinc oxides that lay out there and, the, and you know, they're getting five or six pellets per square foot and they're, they're basically a rock. And you're just hoping that eventually the plant finds some of it if it breaks down in time. Mm-hmm. Whereas microsync is a type product that, again, it's very water soluble. And so the minute it hits moisture, it gets that root zone, the plant has it. And, and one of the, the most obvious thing I can think of about why that's key and, I don't think folks understand this. From gardens to 5,000-acre farmers, zinc, for example, um, has to have – roots have to have zinc to grow, but it takes roots to go find zinc because zinc is immobile in the soil. Mm-hmm. So it's just like your arm wanting to reach out there and grab something. If your arm's too short, you can't get it. But you got to have something in that arm to make it grow and so to grab that. So that's why it's important for those kind of nutrients especially. And to stay stable in the soil season long. And that's another thing that we kind of pride ourselves in is the way it's put into there. This is, comes from the same technology. We may have some garden people listen. I don't know. But but uh, uh, the tree spikes that you buy at any store, I'm not going to name any stores, but tree spikes that are made at any hardware store or co-op are made at our plant in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Mm. The same technology that's in those tree spikes, the same technology that's in a lot of turf builder uh, micronutrients going on golf courses across the United States is the same technology that's used in microsync at the co-op. Mm. So if it's good enough for for a Robert Trent, Trent golf course or your garden, it's good enough for a row crop. Right. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right. And so yeah. it's the same kind of, of – uh, testing and so forth that's put it through and so that's a product we have to offer and i think it's the best i've seen and i've worked with a lot through the years have we seen because when i started out i was uh i was helping load fertilizer and and blend fertilizer in the the old building we had down there right and uh the the i don't remember the name of the product we had at the time but it was the same principle it was this powder right kind of coating you would you would uh apply to the fertilizer and then it would coat the the granules and I don't recall back then. That's been ten years ago. I remember specifically tobacco guys right. using a lot of it, but pasture hay and a lot of row crop producers didn't didn't fool with it. Now that may have changed. I'm not sure. Are we seeing more and more people going to that? From it's what uh, <clears throat> it's changing, and this product is similar to what you're talking about but that product of old was an oxide form so it was slower to break down it wasn't a powder and it did coat and the distribution was relatively good mm-hmm. you didn't like to mess with it because it's dusty i mean you can shake your it's head very or no, dusty. Or, right uh this is kind of that same principle except that it's all in an available form the minute it's put out mm. and it spreads better and there is no dust and so logistically it's a easier handling product better mess with but back to your question, yes, people are recognizing, just like you and I are recognizing, you and your weight training and me and whatever I'm doing, trying to raise kids, we recognize things today that our parents didn't years ago. And, and you know, the most dangerous thing I think I see in our industry is, is an attitude of this. Uh, that's what my dad always did. Mm, oh, Absolutely. Yes, and that can be a, it can be a bad place because if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. Yep. 
and these higher yielding varieties and the opportunities out there and and just think about the acreage shrink i mean that's a big deal in springfield in springfield in robertson cheatham counties is there's less acres and we're going to produce more on that acre yep. therefore we're going to feed that crop more you know i work with some guys our company's international and uh, we have a lot of work done in india and their cotton crop is double the yield ours is their rice crop is double the yield ours is because they have fewer acres to mess with and they micromanage those acres mm. and they spoon feed it and they baby it as if it were their own child because mm. that's their living. And the better job we can do that and get away from that windshield farming, so to speak, and get out in the field and scratch a sniff and see what's going on, the better we're going to be. I completely agree with that. I remember there was this old, um, old saying about there was a uh, – a young lady and her mother, and she was helping her mom cook in the kitchen, and her mom took a, a ham and sliced the end of it off. So she asked her mom, she said, why did you, why'd you do that? She said, I don't know. That's what my mom always did. Why don't you go ask her? She'll probably know the answer to it. So the young lady went and asked her grandmother. She said, why did, why did you cut the, the end off that ham? And the grandmother said to her, well, the pans we used to use back then were too small. So to make the ham fit, I had to cut it off. But nowadays, <laughs> the pans are bigger. So... That logic, you know, doing what granddaddy did, a lot yeah. of times there is use, a usefulness to that, but also, um, you know, having a nuanced line of thinking, it can yeah. it can have a big payoff for sure. Well, so, but sometimes habits are old habits are very it. hard to break. I know it, but if you're not willing to change, chances are your, your yield is never right. going to change. It's just we just have – very little to work with, you know, and we're planting that corn crop or soybean crop. You know, like I said, each plant has about a six inches deep and six inches wide to really work with when mm -hmm. it's getting started. And so we really have to, to treat it like that. And, uh, you know, I've seen things change from treating our operation to treating our farm to treating the field, and now we're treating the acre mm -hmm. and what that needs. And it may, we may have to change some ways of thinking. You know, and I think that's the key to, to higher yields. Do we, do you, same question I asked you about the, uh, the avail with the phosphorus. Do we, do you know any data off the top of your head about using the micros compared to, to not using them? Has it made a pretty substantial jump in yield data? It, it, it's made a, uh, again, this is an incremental thing. This is, this is another, uh, three to four or five bushel thing. This isn't a 20, um, some of the things that are that are unknown, though, uh, that we don't talk a lot about when we talk about micronutrients, is, you know, every every action has a reaction. And what I've seen since we began using um, tissue testing, for example, and especially with this micronutrient product, Microsync, is when I go back and push pull tissue test, I'm seeing it that it made its way into the plant. You know, and there's no better feeling. It's just like your kid bringing home good grades from school. And we see that, and we see the result of it. It makes us feel good. And so I know if that gets into the plant that I've got a healthier plant that, for example, you know, some weird disease, gray leaf spot comes in or an insect infestation comes in or, you know, in cotton, if it strips, comes in. And we've got a stronger plant, you know, it's just like I despise the word COVID. But, <laughs> but people that were healthier had a better chance yes. of, of beating it. Yes, absolutely. And so if we can feed our 
plant everything it needs, we've got a better chance of beating those other things. And that's the untold story. We never know 100% how much good we did necessarily. But if we're healthier, we know we got a better chance. Right. And, and so, yeah, I've seen some yield increases, but there's so many of those stories out there that we don't know what would have happened had we not done it. Sure, sure. You know, in, in my life, because I'm I'm more geared towards the the uh, the livestock, the beef cattle part of it. And I, as you were saying that, I'm thinking about, well, I, I, I think I can make a comparison with that with, say, crossbreeding. Yep. You know, you might see some uh, your weaning weights go up. Sure, you, you probably will, but more so just the hardiness of the animal, yeah. the longevity of the animal by heterosis, by mixing these breeds mm-hmm. together. And that makes you feel good. It does. When, when you see that. It does. Uh, and eventually, you know, with crops, we're going to have some sort of funky disease come in at some point. Who knows right. when it's going to be? And if you can have a healthier plant when that happens, you, you're going to be better off in the long yeah, run. Yeah, I mean... Things like hybrid vigor that you're talking about and, and changes in mineral programs, mm-hmm. it's no different. I mean, we're t- we're talking about living organisms and, and all react to how they're treated. Yep. All yep. react to how they're treated. Same same principle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Andy, we got um, a veil for our phosphate fertilizers. We've got something called New Charge uh-huh. for urea, which, you know, Randy and I, we were talking before you got here. Um, he was talking about how that – the new charge that became developed uh, in rice paddies, I guess. Whenever they would flood them, they were their, the urea was getting washed away, so that new charge kind of ties it to the ground where it can't leave. So it, we've got something for our DAP. We've got something for our urea. We've got micronutrients. So my question was, do we have anything for our third macro potash, or is it even necessary to have something for potash? So – I will tell you this: it is it is coming. Uh, potash is not as much an issue as DAP is, as far as getting tied up. And potash does not move in the soil like nitrogen does. You know, there's three reasons we protect nitrogen: that's volatilization, denitrification, leaching. And so you mentioned some of those in the rice fields where I worked years ago, uh, testing Nutrisphere, which turned into New Charge, evolved into New Charge. Um, phosphate is not as um, as big an issue in our area, uh, but we are looking at a product, and I've tested it. And it looks really good. And when we get when we get uh, some consistency from it, you know, we don't come to the market that works at a pH of six, but not at seven and a half in mm-hmm. Nebraska. And we want to work, you know, when it works in a organic matter of one, like we have here, versus. 15 in, in topsoils of Illinois. Mm-hmm. So when we get that consistency going, we'll we'll come out with it. But right now I've seen some tests in West Tennessee that are just super crazy. Okay. So, yeah. that's, so it's that, out there. That's encouraging. So we eventually we're going to have an option of uh, enhancements for, for each of these. For even potash. Nutrients. That's right. That's fascinating stuff, man. Yep. I, I didn't know. And that's kind of what I thought. Maybe potash, it's not as vulnerable to that, but just the fact that eventually we will have something to enhance it. It's not. It's, it's just, again, it's just something the soil only releases just a little bit of every day. And the and it's not so much early. It's when corn's popping collar every day, day and a half. The plant could actually consume more potash than the soil is able to release at one time. And that's what we're after. We're after that window right there. Okay. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Andy... I think we've been going about enough time here. Is there anything that you want to add before we wrap it up? 
<laughs> you can get me in trouble. <laughs> How much time do you have? I want to add something. All right, buddy. If you had long hair, I think you would look just like Travis Tritt. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Travis Tritt fan? No. I, I was, yeah. I guess I still am. I, you don't ever hear much about him anymore. No, he's uh, he's kind of by the wayside. Kind of by the wayside uh, because uh, he doesn't fit the new country genre. No, he doesn't. Well, I don't even call it country, but it's uh, it's music, and he doesn't fit it. Is it even music anymore? I don't, I don't know, know if I call it that. I man. don't know. Yeah, the, the Eagles are more country today than what we listen to. He was. I went to a concert down at um, that gum uh, the Fontenelle down there off four thirty one. A uh, few. It's been God, it's been six or seven years ago. Who it was. The Outlaws playing, which was as an old 70s group that my parents grew up with, but I, I think they got great music. I can't remember who it was an old type of concert, but he was there, Travis Tree. He was the headliner. Yeah. But they said, you know, he just, when it's over, he jumps on the bus and gets out of there. Yeah. He don't hang around, which I can't say that I don't blame him. Yeah. I was looking at you with the goatee and your face. I said, if he had long hair, he'd look like Travis Tree. Well, I guess that's not a, terribly bad. No, that's a compliment. Not for too sure. bad. Not too bad. Let me plug one more thing. All right. This season, if you get a chance, uh, even even you garden folks that may hear or listen, uh, we have an excellent biological micronutrient seed package that goes right on the seed. For corn growers, you're talking about something that costs around two to three dollars an acre to do. Soybeans about three bucks, and this right now is our largest return on investment product we have. It's called Seed Plus Graphite. But again, it has something that fights um, abiotic stress. It has a micronutrient package. So the minute that seed sticks that tick out, it's got nutrients right there on the seed. And then it also has ways to turn genes on and off in plants. It's the craziest thing that we have out there right now. And that would be advantageous, you say, for, for gardeners? Even that- a garden guy. But, you know, we sell a lot in row crops. I mean, we sold uh, probably half a million acres last year in the tri-state area I work. Um, but, yeah, I have people that put it in water and transplant tomato plants mm-hmm. with it. Um, we have guys that uh, in greenhouses that are, like, trying to grow cucumbers right now from seed, and they're using it. Awesome on pumpkin seed, tomatoes, I mean, watermelons, just whatever you're growing. Because it gives everything that seed needs right around it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it turns genes on and off in it, too. So it's And what's that called again? Seed Plus. Graphite. Seed Plus Graphite. Mm-hmm. It's a, so it's, you corn growers, it's an 80-20 talc blend. So it replaces any talc that you might be using now or graphite in a Kinsey planter or something. It replaces all that. So you take that away. Okay. You put this in, but then you get the added benefits of the micronutrients and the biostimulants and things like that. Technology, it's come a long way, hadn't it? It just grows every time. day. Yeah, you have to learn a little bit every day or you're going backwards. Yep. You really yep. do. You get left behind. Andy, I appreciate you taking the time to come in. You, uh, you're you pretty good at this, man. You said you've never done a podcast before, but you were... Never done a podcast, no. This, uh, I'm honored this, that <laughs> we happen to be your first. Yeah, I guess so. Yes, so. <laughs> well, Andy, again, thank you for your time. That was fascinating. Yeah, Learned anytime. some of that stuff. Um, y'all, hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see y'all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Grazing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and come pay us a visit at Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op. 